0: Good morning. Today we continue with our study on the book of James um, on the life of a follower of Christ. Considering the marks of spiritual maturity, we ask ourselves what is true religion? Have you asked yourself that question before? What is true religion? James tells us what is true religion. And today's sermon topic deals with conflict and pride. And how do we deal with conflict and pride? By submitting with contrition. All around us, there are wars, rumors of wars, conflicts and fights. You don't have to look too far, right? It's happening in our everyday life. At all levels of human relationships, between countries, between friends, between relatives, between siblings, between husband and wives, between Christians, conflict, quarrels, fights, wars, anger and greed fueled by pride is a deadly mix. Human beings can have conflict and flights over anything with anyone, anywhere. And worst of all, it includes fighting within ourselves and with God. From the late Middle Ages until the Renaissance, Northern Italy was divided into factions. Factions who supported different rival political powers. And they had their borders drawn and very often there would be border disputes. According to legend in 1325 a huge conflict erupted when the soldiers from the town of Modena stole an oak bucket from the nearby rival town of Bologna. The thieves mockingly displayed the bucket for all to see after stealing it, they displayed for all to see, outraged the Bolognese army marched to Modena to recover their bucket and their pride and their face. When the Modernists refused their demand, the Bolognese declared war. This event became known as the War for the Oaken Bucket. Bologna summoned a mighty army of 30,000 men at arms and 2,000 knights. And Pope Pop, Pop, Pope John the 22nd himself joined the chase of reclaiming the bucket. The modernists, by contrast, only gathered 5,000 men at arms and 2,000 knights. The two armies clashed on the afternoon of November 15 at Zeppolino. Despite being outnumbered five to one, the modernists managed to rout the Bolognese in just two hours of battle. The modernists then pursued the Bolognese all the way to the walls of Bologna, where they flaunted their victory before their humiliated enemy. A total of, you want to make a guess how many people died? A total of 4,000 men died that day, all because of one. Bucket. I do not know whether to laugh or to be sad. Because that is what happens during a conflict. There's hatred because that person has made you lose face. Your ego is bruised and you become angry and your pride is hurt. And sometimes it can become hatred, right? So our first point is turning hatred to humility. Verses 1 to 10 of James chapter 4. Verse 1 reads like this. This is the New English translation. Where do the conflicts and where do quarrels among you come from? There are two questions here in this one verse. We will deal with one at a time. This letter is addressed to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. His readers are fellow believing Jews, fellow Christians. And then what does he say? There are conflicts and fights, quarrels. You look around in Christendom, sometimes we think that the church is a nice place there shouldn't be any disagreements there should be unity we thank God for unity in QBC but not all churches are like that not all Christians can live together in unity you look around in Christendom and throughout the ages there have been conflicts and quarrels from the day of Christ until today in the early church the they had some differing views on the divinity of Christ. They even stoned one another, put one another on the stake and burned one another, calling them heretics because of differing views. Of course, there's the, the, the range is actually very wide. The divinity of Christ caused quarrels. What Bible to use also caused quarrels. Sometimes churches quarrel and fight over the color of the carpet or the curtain. Have you heard of those churches? I have. Conflicts and quarrels are rampant. And that is conflicts with others. But there is also a battle and a conflict within us, each one of us. Because the second question, James goes on to ask this. Is it not from this, from your passions that battle inside you? There is a passion that is battling inside each one of us. The battle of spirituality versus worldliness, The battle of obeying God's word versus yielding to our flesh. The battle of doing what is right versus doing what we selfishly desire. What selfish passions do you have what selfish passions do I have? Selfish desires and passions are dangerous things especially when it is filled with pride what selfish passions do we have? Selfish desires often lead to anger when you are denied of it. And then it leads to greed when you are deprived of it. It is fueled by pride. It leads to wrong actions. Wrong actions. And you heard that in the pastor's voice. You know many things that we have, actually we do not need. But we use borrowed money We use money that we do not have to buy things that we do not need, to impress people that we do not like. That is false self. How true is that, isn't it? Verse 2 You desire and you do not have. You murder and envy and you cannot obtain. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. So you can spend it on your passions. Selfish desires manifest itself in wrong actions. But it may also lead to not praying or wrong praying. What are the wrong actions? You murder you envy. And you cannot obtain. You quarrel, you fight. You try all means to get what you are passionate about. Some of these things are not just physical, material things. Some of these things could be our intellect, our arguments. Die, die, you must win the argument. Argue until your face turn red, turn green, and then turn blue. Right, and then after that, lose your friendship because of that fight. But you win the battle. You lost the war. You do not have because you do not ask. You know why we, did, we you do not ask? Because we are too shy to ask God. Really, those things and those things that we are passionate about, and we know inside us that is not right, we dare not ask God so we do not ask. We should change our passions. It has been well said that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but God's will done on earth. The purpose of prayer, I say that again, it's not to get men's will done in heaven, but God's will to be done on earth. How are we praying? James continues to address those with selfish desires and what do they what does he call them? He calls them this interesting word called adulterer. This is an interesting term, adulterer, but why adulterers? Because when we have selfish desires, we are flirting with the world. Instead of remaining as God's pure bride, waiting for the return of God, we cannot walk with God holding the devil's hand. Understand? We cannot walk with God holding the devil's hand. It is one or the other. If not, it is called adultery. Love for God must be exclusive. We either love God or hate God. It is not a love-hate relationship. Not when you pray and then God answer your prayer, you love Him. And then the next moment you pray, God doesn't answer your prayer or answer you otherwise or give you something else and then you hate Him and be angry with Him. It is not a love-hate relationship. It is exclusive The Holy Spirit that lives and ministers within the believer has an envious yearning. Because in verse 4, he goes on to say, "Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world means hostility with God? So whoever decides to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Exclusive. Or do you think the scripture means nothing when it says the spirit that God caused to live within us has an envious yearning? God has an envious yearning. The Holy Spirit has that envious yearning. Why? He is jealous. He wants your love. He doesn't want you to love the world. He doesn't want you to love the devil. He wants you to love him and him alone exclusively. There is a spiritual battle and constant conflict internally within us. Do not let anger brew within you into hatred but allow the Holy Spirit to turn our hatred into humility, especially before God, and ask for God's grace to do so. God is God. We are not God. We are His creatures. We are His creation. A few years ago at a church retreat, I remember Dr. Clement Chia, the principal of Singapore Bible College, he made this comment, I do not know whether those of us who went still remember. He spoke in Chinese and it sounds nicer in Chinese. He says, Okay, for, for the international audience and those who cannot understand Mandarin, this is what Dr. Clement Chia from Singapore Bible College said. He says that God is God. Human beings are human beings. God can become human being but a human being cannot become God. We are not God. We are his creation. Remember, who is our maker? So we must pray humbly. Pray humbly and God blesses us with his grace. And he gives us not just grace. He gives us Greater grace. Greater grace. Don't you love it? You ask for grace, God give you greater grace. Verse 6, he says that he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. When you are humble before God, God's grace will be upon you. His greater grace will be upon you. How many times have you prayed, ask God for something and he gives you something even better? Many times, right? How many times have you prayed and asked God for something and He denies you of that something and you soon realize that, hey, actually, that something is not good for me? Have that happened in your life? Pray. Submit. Be humble in your prayer. And then take time to look back and reflect. Did God answer my prayer? Keep a prayer journal. Write your prayer request And then answer prayer. How did God answer your prayer? When God says no, it's also an answer. God always answers our prayer. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait. No is also an answer. Can we take no as an answer? We must have that humility to understand that we are his creation. He is God and we must have humility before him. And he is a good God. In any conflict, a spiritually matured follower of Christ needs to submit to God and to one another with contrition. Being keenly aware of our sinful nature and resist our natural inclinations, instead of allowing anger to brew inside us into hatred, allow the Holy Spirit to turn it to humility through prayer. When you are angry, pray. Pray. When you are in a conflict, pray and have humility. Verse 7. So submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and make your hearts pure, you double-minded. Grief, mourn, and weep for your sins. Ask yourself when there is a conflict. I haven't finished. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exhort you. During conflict, it is not just you and the other party that is quarreling. The evil one has a part in it. The evil one. Why do I say that? The verse before that. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Don't give the devil a foothold and draw near to God instead. Draw near to God with humility. Don't be double-minded. Be single-minded. Who is double-minded? The adulterer is double-minded. Why? Why? married already, still looking around, holding hands with another person, double-minded. Why is the qualification for a church leader a one-woman man, husband of one wife? Single-mindedness. You are not an adulterer. When you love God, love God all the way. Be committed. You cannot love God and love the world at the same time. Get rid of our selfish desires and submit to God with humility. Cleanse your hands and your hearts. Grieve, mourn, and weep for your sins. You know, in a conflict, we usually draw our battle lines very clear. One must be right and one must be wrong. Right? (laughs) And usually, who is right and who is wrong? I am right. The other person is wrong. But God's word tells us, cleanse your hands, you sinner. Make your hearts pure, you double-minded. In a conflict, rather than looking at other people's wrong, look at your own wrong. Examine yourself. Recognize that you are a sinner. That conflict will soon be able to resolve very quickly. But instead, usually what we do, we treat ourselves with a lot of charity, right? But we look at others very critical. It should be the other way around. Treat the other person with charity and look at yourself critically and come before God and weep for your sins and repent and say sorry. Ask yourself, what part did I have in this conflict? In any fight usually both parties are wrong. Whether you hit the person first or you retaliate, both wrong. (laughs) You get the point? It's seldom that one party alone is wrong. Ask yourself, what part did I bring into that equation? Humble yourselves and God will exalt you. When Jesus was accused, what did he do? He humbled himself. He stood there, quietly. And in the end, God exalted him. In a conflict, in a quarrel, in an argument, sometimes it is better to just keep quiet and pray. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. It doesn't matter that others say that I'm wrong. Because one day, God will judge. Second point. Turn judgment into justice. Verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 says this. Do not speak against one another, brothers and sisters. He who speaks against a fellow believer or judges a fellow believer speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but it's judged. Oftentimes, conflicts arise because we are angry, we are, pride, we, are, we are proud, and then we judge others. We judge others angrily and proudly. And when we judge others we do not stop there. We do not, tell, we do not speak to the other party but we tell it in public to others. We use our tongue wrongly to speak against one another. We are not to speak against one another in public but we are to speak with one another in private. The word here is against. Against. When you speak against usually it is not love. You treat the other person as an opponent. That's why you speak against. When you play tennis with me or badminton with me, I play against you. It is a competition. One must win, the other one must lose. But instead of speaking against one another, we must speak with one another. When I play badminton with you, it is a friendly game. It is, it can be done in love, but not against. The Bible tells us, do not speak against one another. Speak the truth in love, not speaking evil, angrily, with judgmental criticism. Whether you correct a brother or sister in love or not, the other person knows because the other person can feel it. How do I know? Because I've been criticized before. I have been spoken with before. I have been loved before. I know. And I'm sure you know. Right? Whether the person is speaking to you with love or the person just wants to tear you down. You know. Deep down inside us, we know. So what should we do? We should speak the truth in love. When you correct a brother or sister in love, The other person knows it. Love covers a multitude of sin. So speak lovingly and not in an evil, judgmental way. Conflicts arise when we think that we are right and we judge that the other person is wrong and obviously the other person does not think so. We end up with a battle of egos and we have this faulty thought that we are the lawgiver and we have the last say. It is as though our interpretation of the law is the only right interpretation of the law. It must be done my way. You must listen to me. Period. Verse 12. But there is only one who is lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. On the other hand, who are you to judge? your neighbour. Do not be proud. Do not be quick to judge because we don't have all the facts. We do not know people's motivation. We cannot read their heart. We cannot read their mind. We are not omniscient. We are not all-knowing. There is only one who is all-knowing. There is only one who is righteous and he is the lawgiver. He is the judge. We ourselves have been judged by the law. We ourselves are sinners. So let's be critical of ourselves and treat others with love. Leave it to God to judge. We must be a doer of God's law and not a judge. A matured follower, this is true religion, a matured follower turns judgment into justice. If we want to judge, we ought to use God's law on ourselves and our own actions. Lastly, James concludes this chapter with the prideful self-made man boasting about his plans. So the last point is turning boasting into belief. Verses 13 to 17. Verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town, and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You do not know about tomorrow, What your life? what is your life like. For you are a path of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes. This, as I was reading this, it sounds like it can happen to any one of us, isn't it? Any businessman. I want to go here, I want to go there. I want to do this business. I want to stay there for a while. Let the business take off before I come to another country and so on and so forth, right? (laughs) Where is prayer? Where is God? That's why I say he addresses the self-made man. Here is someone who made a business plan presumptuously. Truth be told, a lot of times we live our life presumptuously. I look at my own life, it's the same. Last night when I sleep, I presume that I will wake up this morning, drive myself to church safely and preach here. That was my presumption. We are all guilty. Right? We are all guilty. What, have, what happened if this morning I wake up, I lose my voice? Thank God it didn't happen. God have mercy. God be gracious, right? God is very merciful. God is very gracious. But at the same time, we should stop being presumptuous. We are to become a spirit-filled, fervently praying church family. Pray. 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 Is prayer our first order or our last resort? Prayer ought to be our first order before we do anything. Rather than we, the thing that we are self-made, we go and do our, our stuff, our way, with our intellect, with our resource, and then it doesn't work, then we come to God and say, tolong, tolong God, help me, please help me. That is last resort. When we are sick, pray, then go and see the doctor, don't go and see the doctor, and then doctor cannot cure you, then you come and see pastor. Pastor is so very difficult to heal you, you know. His, his doctrine huh, may not be in medicine, <laughs> but he can pray for you. So pray, pray, remember to pray. Even in ministry, I want to remind us QBC, even in ministry, even in the sharing of the gospel, even ho- hospital visits, even home visits, Pray before you go. And that is why today, after service, we are going for a prayer walk. Because we do not want to presumptuously go and knock the door with the gospel. There are many new flats, right? That is what God wants us to do, right? But we must pray. The first order of business is to pray. So join us today after service. We don't want to presumptuously go. We want to recognize that prayer is our first order. Verse 14 is a reminder of the uncertainty of our lives. We do not know about tomorrow. We cannot presumptuously build bigger and bigger buns to store our harvest. Remember the parable of the farmer who was having a very good harvest, right? Then his buns was too small and then what happened? he presumptuously built bigger and bigger barn, right? And then became very rich. And then one day he said, hey, it's time for me to sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. And then what did the Lord say to him? You fool, you fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. So he gathered a lot of harvests, built very big barn. And then that same night, his soul was taken away from him. We cannot presumptuously eat, drink, and be merry. We ought to say instead, what should we ought to say in verse 15? You ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then you will leave and do this or that. But but as it is, you boast about your arrogant plans. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows what is good to do and does not do it is guilty of sin. Instead of proudly and presumptuously charting our future and plans, we need to include the Lord. You must plan. I'm not saying that you don't plan, okay? What what am I saying? What am I saying is you pray before you plan. Pray before you plan. Don't just plan. Include the Lord. Ask God what is His will. Before you send your child to a school, Ask God, where should I send the child? Which school? I was very intrigued just now when Lucas shared his school motto is to God be the glory. Sounds like a good school. I do not know what school is that. (laughs) Which job should I take? When I go university, what should I study? Do we pray? When should I retire? After retire, what do I do? Do we pray? Or do we just plan? God must be included. Because when we are doing God's will, we are in the sweet spot. God is pleased and God will bless. We need to include God in our lives. He, we often profess, right? He is the Lord of our lives. Lord of our lives. eh? That means what He say I do. He is my Lord. He has the master plan. He knows what is ahead. He is the one who made you. He knows what you can bear. Don't let your ego get the better of you. And don't boast about your arrogant plans. All such boasting, the Bible says, is evil. Instead of boasting in our own plans... Pray and believe in God's will. Brothers and sisters, I believe that all of us know what is good. And we must do the good that God is asking us to do. You know what is good to do. Go and do it. Obey the Spirit. Because if you do not do it, you are guilty of sin. That is what the scripture says. If you know and you do not do it, if I know and I do not do it, I am guilty of sin. So you know that you must pray. You know that you must be humble. You know, you know, you know. Go and do it. In conclusion, what is true religion? True religion in the face of conflict and fight A matured person of Christ turns hatred into humility, turns judgment into justice, and turn boasting into belief. May God help us control our ego, recognize who we really are, and not have this false self and project this false self before God and before others let us pray together. I give us some time to respond to God. He has spoken to you. Respond to him. Perhaps you are in some conflict. Perhaps you are having a quarrel. Perhaps you are even having war among within yourself. Bring it to the Lord. Ask Him to help you. And then at an appropriate time, the worship team will lead us with the response song.